the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elliman's CEO, Dottie Herman. Good morning. This is Jerry Feeney sitting in for Donnie, who is off this week, but don't worry, she'll be back next week. I'm here with Ace Watana Suparp. Good morning, Ace. Good morning, Jerry. Okay, so we're doing it alone. I was gonna I was gonna surprise Ace and text him and say do the show without me and give him a heart attack, but I wouldn't do that to you. <laughs> Just remind Thank you for, for those of you listening, we're the only radio show on talk radio, all about real estate, everything to do with real estate. Uh, which, as Dottie likes to say, is just about everything. And I think that's pretty true, frankly. It's hard to get through a cocktail party these days uh, without somebody talking about something to do with real estate. Every time somebody finds out that you're in real estate, they always ask, how's the market? <laughs> it seems to be the natural next question. That's true. That's true, Jerry. And, and also with yourself, Jerry. I mean, you know, we don't even just talk about real estate. We talk about almost every everything here on this show, so... Yeah, sometimes it's a relationship advice and uh, yeah. psychology, which I don't profess to be an expert on <laughs> one of those. Um, if you want to ask us any questions, it's one-hour show today because we're being preempted by yet another sporting event. They seem to have them every week, I guess that's the thing about sporting events. But anyway, the Syracuse game is coming up. I love Syracuse. Uh, the town, I also love the university. I have no idea what game is coming on. What is coming on, Ace? Is it football? I believe it's the football game, so Syracuse. Okay. Syracuse Orangemen are playing. All right, yeah. there we go. Go Syracuse. If you haven't been to Syracuse, go Syracuse. Way, lately, it is really, really a cool town. It has really reinv- uh, <clears throat> reinvented itself. The downtown area is bustling and has some beautiful architecture. A lot of excellent, uh, one of the most famous Art Deco buildings in the world is in Syracuse. It's really staged quite a comeback. If uh, the last time you were in Syracuse was 20 years ago, it's a whole new town. Anyway, so if you want to ask us questions, you've got to call in early because we've only got an hour. And the number is 866-970-9622, 866-970-9622. By the way, Ace, for those of you who don't know, is Vice President of Citizens Bank, and he is uh, in charge of Mortgage Loan Division, and he's the go-to source in the banking industry for advice on how to get a mortgage and a loan. He's here to answer your questions. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to take a moment to say... Thank you to Citizens Bank, which supports the show. Citizens Bank has one of the best websites of any lender in the Northeast. I can attest to that. I've been on a lot of them. Oftentimes I'm, you know, doing uh, work for clients and trying to get some information for them. A very, very user-friendly, great website. Uh, If you go to citizensbank.com, you'll discover an easy process to figure out if you qualify for a loan, which is always a good starting point. If you're not yet in the market and ready to jump in, uh, first, start with 
do you qualify and how much do you qualify for? That'll give you a good sense of what price range home to start looking for. You know, I find sometimes that people don't know the answer to that question, Ace, and they start looking at things and they fall in love with things that are out of their price range. Then they get discouraged when they start to look at what they really can afford, and sometimes that'll yeah. lose interest. So start with, always best to start with what you can afford and then restrict your your uh, search to that so you don't, you know, get disappointed by the amount of space you can get for your money. It's always better better to be prepared I'm sorry, so you couldn't have said it better. Yeah, and you know, in the old days, you would <clears throat> start with going to open houses and finding a property, and then you'd go and call your banker and say, I need a loan. These days, it seems that people are doing it differently, and I think that makes sense. Oftentimes, the first stop is with the banker and start, you know, before they even begin the home yeah. search to take a look at credit. And do you recommend that people do that? Um, I do, Jerry. I think a lot of real estate agents today in, in this marketplace, they won't even entertain the fact of um, going and shopping for, for a home without a pre-approval. So yeah. getting pre-approval is not only really about understanding um, you know, how much you can afford, but really preparing yourself to check your credit, uh, make sure that there's no hiccups or any um, you know, history um, issues that you don't know of, and also aligning yourself with a loan officer so that you can also understand what your payment is and what you're comfortable spending. Sometimes we think that you know we're looking for a million dollar apartment, when in reality, once we tr- um, work on the payments, you can either afford a little bit more or sometimes a little bit less. So right. um, it's good to talk to a loan officer and see what you can it's afford. It's good to start out early because you know if there are credit issues. Oftentimes, these things can be solved or at least minimized with uh, credit repair, but that takes time. So if you discover yeah. there's an issue and you're right on the borderline of a you know, the magic number 720, or uh, you can go to a, a credit expert like Dan Sater and work on getting the credit repaired and get it up while you're looking for your perfect house. Uh, before right. I go on, I, I, we have a caller this morning who has a question. Beth is on the line. Beth, you're on the air. What's your question? Hello. Hello, Beth. Okay. Uh, people I know who own brownstones are concerned that um, investors will buy brownstones and build up and out. Um, they are landmark, um, considered landmark buildings, but um, are they able to do that if they're a landmark building, or do they have to be a historical site? It's not so easy to build up and out. Um, so you're saying that your friends that ha- are on a on my a friend owns a brownstone, mm-hmm. yeah. and and a couple doors away, someone is uh, going to I don't know. She's selling, yeah. and um, she's thinking about selling to an investor right. who will build the air site or whatever it's mm-hmm. called. You know, up. Uh, all right. So, uh-huh. what what you're, Can what you're they do here that? for the listeners is uh, what is called air rights. Uh, air rights. That's yeah, it. It's, legal name is a joint development agreement, but essentially what it does is it allows uh, a property owner to contract with a contiguous lot, meaning a lot that touches their border, to buy from that lot what they may have unused in terms of air rights. And what that means is in any particular tax lot in New York City, you have a right to build up a certain uh, height. You have a right to, on that building envelope, to 
build a certain square footage. If you don't use all of it, uh, then you can sell your right to an adjoining uh, neighbor for, and, and then they, you know, they pay you a fee and then they own it. And then you no longer have that right to build up, but they do so they could go further than they otherwise could without it. But that's not the end of the story, right? So you not only have to acquire uh, the, the, the rights to go up, but you have to still get approval for your building. It still has to be consistent with the neighborhood. And also you may have overriding restrictions like landmark designations that uh, are going to uh, make it much harder to get landmarks to approve. If you have a landmark building and you want to change anything on the facade, I mean anything, uh, landmarks has got to approve it. And, and if it's not consistent with the look of the historical um, appearance of the building, they're not going to approve it. In addition, you know, the, the community board of the neighborhood is going to get involved in approving any kind of development. Uh, even if you have the right to build up, it doesn't mean that, that you're going to get the approval to do it. If the neighbors come in and say, look, we're very much against this, we think it's going to uh, negatively impact the building, um, you may be heard on that. So it's not, it's not necessarily true that just by bearing, building the air rights, they can do whatever they want. Having said that, most developers are not going to put down the money to buy somebody's air rights unless they're fairly certain that they can build up. But um, mm -hmm. you know, so so if they're buying your your friend's neighbor's property, they probably already got a deal to acquire one of the contiguous sites' air rights, and maybe all it means is that they're going to put one more level on that townhouse. I mean, most townhouses are not going to get permission to tear it down and start all over if it's a brownstone. Most likely, the um, uh, the, the neighborhood association, uh, the community board is not going to allow that. Where okay, is thank you located? so much. Yeah, where is it located? Is it Brooklyn? Yes, yeah. Park Slope. Well, some of the best uh, townhouse stock in the city is in Park Slope. But some of the most beautiful blocks uh, in the city with brownstones are, are, are there. So thanks for the question, Beth. It was a good one. Um, by the way, do you know why they call them brownstones? Why, Jerry? Because the stone is brown. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's simple enough. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I actually think it's the entire block is, uh, of, uh, is uh, I think it's actually limestone. And then they, uh, they actually apply the color to it. I don't think it's naturally brown. But I'm sure one of our smart listeners will call in and tell us the answer to that. By the way, Beth called us and reached us at 866-970-9622. If you have a question, you can call in. Uh, but do it quickly because we only have an hour. I uh, wanted to, uh, as Dottie does, uh, talk about this day in history. In 1904, the song Yankee Doodle Boy was copyrighted. I could sing it. Almost everybody knows the words to it, but I won't. Uh, you know, Yankee Doodle came to town riding on a pony. Do you remember that one, Ace? Of Stuck course. The childhood classic. Cab, called it macaroni. Yeah, I think everybody knows the words to that song. Um, Apparently, it was copyrighted in 1904. I didn't know it was called Yankee Doodle Boy. I think everybody knows it as Yankee Doodle Dandy. But anyway, uh, in 1947, the radio rights for the World Series, the radio rights were sold for $475,000. And that gave the radio network three years of World Series broadcasting. Uh, today, Fox TV pays $800 million to broadcast the World Series. So that price has gone up a little bit. Isn't that today? amazing? 800. Yeah. <laughs> in 
If you're right. born today, you're a Libra. And uh, according to astrology, if you believe in that, I know Dottie does, uh, you're analytical and very loyal. Well, I'm a Libra and I'm analytical and loyal, so I guess that must prove it. You share your birthday with Mickey Mantle, who was only 64 when he died. I didn't realize he was that young. I actually didn't even know. Wow, he was I didn't realize she was that young either. Yeah, what? yeah. Later in the show, if we have time, I want to talk about uh, the final walkthrough, which always sounds like you know it's uh, your your last walk before you're executed or something like that. But it's actually what we call the final inspection before you close, and it is an important part of the process, and it also is a source of a lot of confusion and controversy. Uh, when people come in to do the final walkthrough, I get, you know, probably on the list of the top 10 questions I get in the law office every day are walkthrough issues. You know, the windows crack, the win the drawers aren't sliding properly, the refrigerator, the ice maker is not working, you know, all the fun things that we get to deal with uh, on the walkthrough. So I'll, we'll talk a little bit about that and what you should do on a walkthrough uh, and what you're not supposed to do on a walkthrough. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I also want to talk about leaf blowers, which is one of my pet peeves. I never, so before I ever bought real estate and, and owned something with a lawn, because I mean, the last time I had something with a lawn was 30 years ago when I was in upstate New York, and then I've been in the city ever since. I never understood all this, you know, complaining about leaf blowers. I really didn't appreciate the controversy. And it was a big thing in California for a while, and I, I just sort of ignored it. Well, now that I have a lawn and I have people sometimes that come and do the lawn for me. I totally get what they're talking about. You may have heard it on the radio because when I do the remote broadcasting uh, from upstate, sometimes they will decide to start off the leaf blower. They hold on to it. They don't start it up until 10 a.m., right when I come on the air, and then they start the thing. <laughs> it's so loud, it's deafening. And, you know, I've asked them to stop using it completely uh, because I don't think you need it, number one. Number two, it's so loud and it's so annoying. And it really you know, blows up all kinds of dust and everything like that. So I'd be interested to hear what you guys think about it. Do you have an opinion on leaf blowers, Ace, or are you neutral on the leaf blower controversy? Well, I don't really need a leaf blower, but I'm assuming you know, if I have a lake house like yourself, um, Jerry, uh -huh. a leaf blower would be helpful. But um, definitely the noise pollution is probably an issue for neighbors. Yeah. Um, it's really, really loud. I've been near one, and it's, um, it's almost unbearable. It's really loud. So, it really but, is, yeah. You know, we bought, yeah. we got a battery operated yeah. Yeah, we got a, we got a battery operated one, and it works great. I mean, you, you have to you yeah. know, charge the battery for a few hours, but it's very quiet, and it really uh, is just as powerful as the gas operated ones. I was shocked, frankly. Oh wow! Uh, we have, so they we have, have a, a battery leaf blower. Oh. <laughs> I'll get you one for ah. your birthday. Uh, we have a couple of questions that people email into Dottie that I wanted to get to um and the first one is dear Dottie, is it true that some buildings have a limit on how long you can take to renovate the noise coming from upstairs is driving us insane i live in a condo on the west side of manhattan emily g on west end avenue well emily yes most co-ops and condos when you want to do a renovation are going to require that you sign what's called an alteration agreement and it's an agreement between you and the the board of the building allowing you to do what you plan to do uh, and it usually spells out the, the terms of, you know, everything from, you know, what days they can work to what elevators they have to take. And some buildings, shall we say, are much stricter than others. I mean, I've uh, perused these many times for my clients. There are some buildings, you know, on the, on, on the uh, uh, Fifth Avenue on the park, for example, that 
you can only renovate between Memorial Day and Labor Day. Why? Because, you know, all those rich people are in the Hamptons in that period of time. And come Labor Day, it's a full stop, and you got to wait until next year. If you're a week away from finishing your renovation, you have to stop, and they have to wait until the next Memorial Day. So some of these buildings are very, very strict on doing it. And most of the renovation alteration agreements also have a time limit. You can't have somebody who's renovating you know, for three years because, of course, it does disrupt neighbors. It creates dust. It creates um, you know, inconvenience to the neighbors. So typically there is a, a start time and an, uh, an end period. And if they're not done by then, they're usually penalized them. So if you're doing a contract with your contractor to build uh, the alteration, you have to make sure that the contractor takes responsibility for that. Because after all, you don't control the speed of the renovation, the contractor does. So if the building is going to start fining you $1,000 a day for every day you go beyond 90 days, then your contractor's agreement better agree to compensate you for that $1,000 a day. Um, and you know, and the, and the, with respect to Emily's question, the noise coming is driving you insane. Depends on what time of day. Usually they're restricted and it's a full stop at five o'clock. I know in my building, you know, they come up and knock on the door. If there's anybody in here doing work at five o'clock, you got to get out period full stop. And that's only fair because people come home and they want to enjoy their apartments. They don't want to hear jackhammering and things like that. Have you ever lived through a renovation of a neighbor? I have, I have, Jerry, and it's not fun. Um, you know, also they, the board also requires a licensed contractor along with um, appropriate insurance as well. So before you hire your contractors, you may want to check with your board to see what type of requirements are required with insurance yeah. and um, license as well. It's a good point. I mean, you should really take a look at the renovation agreement to see what the rules are before you start interviewing people and before you start uh, making plans because – uh, yeah. you may not be able to do what you think you're going to be able to do. And you may not be able to use who you think you can use because if they're not licensed mm-hmm. and insured in New York, it's, they're not going to let them in the building. You know, I always tell people before you start a renovation, a major renovation, you know, go knock on your neighbor's door. Some of the buildings actually require you to write a letter to your neighbors, go knock on your neighbor's door, bring them a bottle of wine. Everybody likes a bottle of wine and just say, listen, I'm about to start a renovation. I've gotten approval. I know it's going to be inconvenient. You know, I just want to give you this as this little token that, you know, I apologize in advance if, if you're inconvenienced. And here's my cell phone. If ever it's creating a problem for you, please give me a call and I'll try to rectify it. You know, a little bit of that upfront uh, goes a long way because then, you know, people are probably going to be a little more tolerant of it. And if it does become a nuisance, they can call your cell phone. And you might not even realize that, you know, you're at work and somebody's jackhammering and it's... Uh, causing the plaster in the downstairs apartment to fall down into the, into the room. Um, here's another question that came in. Dear Dottie, I need a co-signer on my lease. My parents refuse to do it because I owe the money. Uh, good, good, good for your parents. My grandmother offered a co-sign. She's 86. Will they care? Well, let me just say the following. First of all, uh, that's very sweet that your grandmother can. I hope that she can afford to pay the rent if you don't because it sounds like uh, you... Uh, aren't the best credit risk. Um, so, you know, please don't uh, put the burden of the rent on your grandmother, but most likely your landlord is not going to be interested in a co-signer who's uh, a you know, person who's uh, on a fixed income and maybe retired because, you know, good luck suing them for the money. Um, but you can try it. 
Good luck. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and this is Ion Real Estate. If you want to give us a call, uh, we can answer your real estate questions. The number 866-970-9622. Otherwise, we'll be right back after these messages. Nobody knows more about sleeping than my good friend, Mike Lindell. Hi, Joe Piscopo. You know, Mike Lindell's MyPillows are fantastic. But did you know that MyPillow has an incredible mattress topper that gives you total body support and a great night's sleep every single night? MyPillow's mattress topper is made of three layers that help give you the support you need. It helps relieve pressure points by evenly distributing your body weight and regulates your body temperature with an ultra-soft patented temperature regulating cover. The MyPillow mattress topper is perfect to upgrade dorm beds, to give new life to your existing mattress. It comes with a 10-year warranty. You can wash it. It's made in the USA, and it's backed with Mike's 60-day money-back guarantee. Check out this fantastic deal just for you listening to AM970. 30% off the MyPillow mattress topper, plus two free standard MyPillows when you call 800-651-0798. Use the promo code AM970 or go to MyPillow.com. Please be sure to use the promo code AM970. 800-651-0798. Promo code AM970. The leaves are falling. While shopping for a new rake, you check your ADT security camera from your phone and see some kids with toilet paper and eggs approaching your property. Then you see what they see. Your ADT sign and outdoor camera and scurry away. Scarecrow Service, brought to you by ADT. Designing and installing a smart home just for you. Backed by best-in-class 24-7 protection. Learn more at ADT.com. ADT, real protection. License information available at ADT.com. Your table, ladies. Thank you so much. So, Vicki, how have you been? Great. It's been so long. Last time we saw each other was what? Your daughter's wedding on that yacht? What was it? The Atlantis? Yes, the Atlantis. It was perfect for the wedding with its three decks, bridal suite, immaculate restrooms, dance floor, and state-of-the-art sound system. The food and service was great, and I hear they bake those delicious rolls right on board. They do. You know, I've been trying to decide what to do for my daughter's Sweet 16 and some corporate events. You should absolutely book the Atlantis. They do more than just weddings. Sunset cocktail parties, bar and bat mitzvahs, luncheons, and guests are able to board from several locations. Francesca was so easy to work with. Call her at 212-385-9400 or email her at events at franstouchofclass.com. Charter the Atlantis for your event today. Call Francesca at 212-385-9400 or visit franstouchofclass.com. For a limited time, mention AM970 for a free menu upgrade on the Atlantis. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino, and believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-607-3551. That's 800-607-3551. 800-607-3551. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at slugquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states.
Tune into AM 970 The Answer on Wednesday, October 24th for a special two-hour broadcast of the Cats at Night radio show. Join host John Katsimatidis for an all-star lineup featuring Manhattan GOP chairwoman Andrea Katsimatidis, AM 970's Kevin McCullough, and Republican New York gubernatorial candidate Mark Molinaro. Enjoy this special broadcast as John and Andrea interview your political candidates and bring you riveting discussion. It's a night of radio you won't want to miss. It's a special edition of Cats at Night, Wednesday night, October 24th from 4 to 6 on AM 970 The Answer. Answer. It's I on real estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. Good morning. We're back. This is Jerry Feeney sitting in for Dottie, who is away this week, but she'll be back next week. This is I on real estate, and I'm here with Ace Watana Supar. We're answering all your real estate questions. You can call us at 866-970-9622. And if you're on the line, we'll be with you in a minute. Um, there's a lot of uh, talk recently about uh, retail and how difficult retail is and how it's suffering. And if you drive down any you know, formerly uh, populated retail zone in New York City, you'll see what we're talking about. I was pretty shocked when I was on uh, Blinker Street uh, last week and saw and also 8th Avenue in Chelsea, just below 23rd, and saw how many empty retail stores there are. Um, you know, my first reaction was, well, serves the landlords right for jacking up the rents in these neighborhoods and pushing people out, which I think is part of the story, but not all of it. Uh, another part of the story is something called Amazon, which has completely changed the way people shop. And I must say, I got hooked on the Amazon uh, bandwagon about a year ago and you know now every time I, I think of something I just put it in Amazon I put it in the in the in the basket and I order you know and it's there at my door the next day and it's unbelievably convenient it's not a uh, it's not a uh, commercial for them they don't need me to give them a commercial and they haven't paid for it but my point is it has changed the whole retail market there's just not as much profitability Sears went bankrupt hard to believe I mean you know Sears when I was a kid was you know, it was an institution. I mean, there were thousands of stores. You needed something, you went to Sears. They had everything. What about uh, now, what about Toys R Us, Jerry? You know, that Toys was R Us. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I, I, I used to represent uh, Mr. Lazarus in his real estate transactions in New York. The man who founded it, who recently died, and you know, he told me the story about when he founded it and how he came up with the idea. And you know, in its heyday, that was the place you went. But in Christmas time, forget it. You couldn't get in Toys R Us. I mean, it was packed. Oh, because forget it. Yeah, that's where you went to get toys for the for the kids for Christmas, and and it was a whole store of just toys, and and it was great. That's gone out of business. It's just a different way that people shop, and as a result of that, we see a lot of empty retail locations. And I was recently interviewed by Brick Underground about the, an article they were doing, which just got published, and um, I thought the the article did a good job. Of course, it quoted me correctly, so I was happy about that, but. You know, some of the points that, that I was making and we were making in the article is that it's not just bad for the business itself. If you live in the building above a store or if you're thinking of, you know, buying in there, you, you really do need to think about the impact of having an empty retail location on the ground floor and several empty retail locations on your block. You know, one thing, uh, well, well, first of all, let me ask your opinion, Ace. Do you, if, if you're thinking about buying or investing in an in area and all the retail locations or half of them on the block are are empty. What is that saying to you as a potential investor in the neighborhood? 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's a concern, Jerry, right? Um, is there enough traffic? Are people coming in? And more importantly, you know, what type of retail um, is around there? Because to your point, you know, society is changing so much with Amazon coming in and just, you know, people, people don't shop at stores anymore. You know, they know mm-hmm. their size, they order it online, and it comes delivered. Mm-hmm. And even food, even restaurants, I mean, you know, people are ordering more um, delivery. And, you know, mm-hmm. you have companies like Blue Apron, HelloFresh, where people can just order packaged um, prepared mm-hmm. food and um, prepare it at home. So if you're, if I'm an investor and I'm looking at a, a location, you know, I really want to see what are some of the, I guess, uh, neighboring retail stores that are surviving and, and what's not. And, um, you know, I would be concerned with, will I be able to rent it out? And, you know, who will I be able to rent it out to, right? right. So that's something that going into it before, I never really thought about because going into a great neighborhood, you know you're always going to um, get it rented out. But now you really need to think about what type of retail will you be marketing to if you're, if you're the buyer and you become an owner. You know, who would, you be, who would be your potential clients? And that's well, also, that if, you're, if you're think. thinking of buying you know, a, a residential unit in a building that has retail on the ground level, it could impact you also because you know, depending on how... It could impact you also, yes. Yeah, depending on how the building is set up financially... Uh, you know, a lot of buildings rely uh, on a good part of their budget, the commercial rent from that retail space. I mean, there are actually co-ops in New York that don't have any maintenance. How do they do that? Yeah. Because they have such a sweet deal with the commercial tenant on the first floor that that commercial tenant pays so much. It covers all of the expenses of the building and each tenant, uh, each co-op owner actually gets a, a subsidy check every year. For what's left over, it's unbelievable. But you know that's, that's true. That's true, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, a lot between. of retail they pay triple net. You know, some mm-hmm. of, some of them actually pay for rent, utilities, yep. and also some of the water bills of the building. So yep. you're right, and tax tax increases and things like that. But so tax you know, if you're thinking of buying a building that has residential units above commercial, you have to consider the the impact that it'll have not just on the finances of the building. But then I'm also mm-hmm. always wondering about what's going to happen uh, when they have to fill that retail. Landlords, you know, can only go so long without filling a retail location. So what may previously have been, you know, a, a lovely, you know, Louis Vuitton boutique, now all of a sudden the landlord is considering something that may cause more of a nuisance. Uh, you know, a, a, a fast food establishment, for example, or uh, you know, something that is maybe not as um, desirable to to the people in the building only because the economics have forced it so you have to think about that and you also have to think about the general impression that it gives on the economics of a neighborhood if half of the uh, the street level retail is closed it gives the impression to you know on a potential resale that maybe the neighborhood is suffering economically uh, and maybe people might uh, give more importance to the factor than they otherwise would. So you do have to consider that. It's not just if you're thinking of um, buying the retail space yourself, but if you're buying in the building, uh, there's also there's also the impact it could have on you. The assessments could go up. You know, the building may have to start assessing because they're not getting enough money from the commercial tenant who's no longer paying. Uh, the commercial owner may no longer be paying because they can't afford it. So it's it's a, it can be a problem. I wonder what they're going to do with all these retail spaces that are empty. I mean, who's going to who's going to go in there? There's only there's only so many bank ATM locations that there's already one in every corner in New York, and 
there's certainly, you know, enough uh, Dwayne Reeds in the city. I don't think they're going to put yeah. any more of those. And what's going to go in these spaces? I, I begin to wonder. I know. And, and, and it's so sad, Jerry, because a lot of these mixed use properties, you know, especially in Manhattan, there, there's a certain culture to them as well, you know, and, and a lot of them have been eliminated with big buildings coming in and being developed. You know, it's, it creates neighborhoods as well, mixed use properties. So yeah, really sad to see sellers struggle here as well. Well, you know, my friends who are in the commercial industry who do retail tell us that landlords are doing a lot of pop-ups now where they'll, you know, where they no, previously would yeah. never consider renting for less than two years. They say, well, you want to rent for three months and do your little launch here in New York. We'll give it to you for three months. Yeah. And then it allows either uh, sometimes a, um, a cosmetic brand might want to launch a new cosmetic and they could do pop-ups in, you know, 30 different locations in New York City just to introduce the brand and then go away. And now they've done the introduction and the, uh, and the, the neighborhood knows about it. And now they can buy it, you know, either online or in one of the big retail stores. So that's, uh, that's a one possibility, but you can only do so many pop-ups, right? The uh, co-living is on the rise, and we've been talking about this for a while now. Dottie spotted this trend uh, a couple of years ago, and I think millennials have a lot to do with it because millennials love you know, sharing things and Airbnb and WeWork and all of these uh, you know, shared uh, work environments and shared vacation environments. Well... Shared living environments are on the rise. Who would have ever thought that this would be back? But co-living is the concept that a developer will build, you know, small living spaces for rent in, in a building where the renters access the common areas and share them, like living rooms, kitchens, and uh, have other amenities that they're going to share in the building. You know, I thought it would be fraught with problems. I mean, my first thinking was, you know, well, who's going to clean the kitchen, you know? But... You know, investors that are doing these that I've, I've talked to said, well, you know, generally people pick up after themselves. And if they don't, they have they, generally the buildings have somebody come in once a day and, you know, or even twice a day and just pick up and clean the kitchen. Um, you know, people have ref keep small refrigerators in their living space. And then when they cook, they bring what they need to the kitchen and, and cook. And I was thinking about it. And, you know, when I was first came to New York, I think I would have lived in one of these. You know, I would have considered it. I wouldn't do it now. But, you know. But back when I was first coming to New York, I would have lived in one of these. I think it would have been fun. You would have met a lot of other people in the city, you know, other people that are in your same situation, new to the city, trying to make their way in, in business here. And it could have been a, a great opportunity. Would you have ever considered living in one, Ace? You're still young. I mean, maybe you yeah, want to go. Yeah, I think it's, a, it's actually, you know, if, if it was around when I was actually um, living in the city, I would have definitely lived in one. I mean, like you have your common areas. Internet is there. There's yeah. a small fee for, for a housekeeper, right, technically, within the community. And I think, to your point, if you come to a big city and you don't know anyone, it's a great opportunity for you to meet other people in yeah, a co-living yeah. environment as well. Yeah. yeah, roommate situations were always a good way to meet new people in the city. We're going to take a quick break. This is Ion Real Estate. I'm Jerry Feeney with Ace Watana Superb sitting in for Dottie, who will be back next week. We'll be back in a moment after these messages. For our 
ask the lawyer friends and listeners, you can attend any of Connors & Sullivan's free seminars on elder law, Medicaid, wills, and estate planning, and more. Yes, it's all free and all close to you. So come to Connors & Sullivan's free seminars. On Tuesday, October 23rd at Bocelli Restaurante, 1250 Highland Boulevard in Staten Island at 11 a.m., 3 p.m. and 7 p.m., and at the 3 West Club, 3 West 51st Street in Midtown Manhattan on Thursday, October 25th at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Can't go to any Connors & Sullivan's free seminars? Then call Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500 for your own free office appointment. Make an educated decision on your estate and family legal solutions today. Just call Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500 or go to connorsandsullivan.com. Connors & Sullivan. Plan now for later. In an era where it's tough to know which news outlet to trust, at a time where it's difficult to find facts, not just opinion, there is an oasis in the news desert. It's the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis, the personification of the American dream, who built a multi-billion dollar business empire, talks with some of the nation's top newsmakers every Sunday morning at 8.30 a.m. You won't just hear partisan spin. You'll hear directly from the newsmakers who are shaping the news cycle in the city, the country, and the world. On the Cats Roundtable, you won't just hear about politics. You'll hear about science, business, education, animal rights, and any other topics that you're interested in. Catch the Cats Roundtable every Sunday morning, starting at 8.30, right after Morano in the Morning on AM 970. The Answer. How do Trump's policies affect small business? Where's cryptocurrency headed? Find out every Sunday afternoon at 1 on Newsmax TV's newest show, What's the Deal? Hosted by Wall Street entrepreneur John Tobacco. What's the Deal is a show unlike any other. It's where politics meets the economy. Catch John Tobacco and an array of special guests. Bypass the NFL and tune into Newsmax TV this Sunday afternoon at 1. Go to NewsmaxTV.com and find out how you can watch What's the Deal? Balance of nature's fruits and veggies in a capsule. I thought I had a sinus headache for a few days, but I had a massive brain aneurysm, hemorrhage of the brain and a stroke, and I was on my deathbed. I was on a respirator in a coma for 35 days. And three months later, I came home in a wheelchair. I had double vision. I had to learn to walk again, to speak again. One and one is two, write the alphabet. You know, if I went out and did a little something, I'd come home, I'd be in bed. Now, I'm up by like 5.30 in the morning, and I go to the gym. I do shopping. I cook. I, I have energy all day. I mean, I feel great. Overall, my whole outlook, just feeling, my mental aspect, everything, everything is better. For a limited time, use discount code THEANSWER, and we'll take 35% off your first preferred set of fruits and veggies and have them shipped to you free. Call 800-246-8751. That's 1-800-246-8751, or go online to balanceofnature.com and use discount code THEANSWER. Are you in good hands with your insurance company? Are they a good neighbor? This weekend on Champions of Justice, Tom Girardi talks with an attorney who takes on insurance companies when they refuse to pay their policyholders. He's legendary lawyer Wiley Aiken. And you'll be amazed at the stories he tells about policyholders who have been denied payment after years of paying their premiums. Tune in Champions of Justice, Sunday mornings at 10, here on AM 970, The Answer. 
Bob's Eye on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. Well, no, not really. It's Jerry Feeney sitting in for Dottie. She'll be back next week. I'm here with Ace Watana Suparp, and this is Eye on Real Estate. And I don't know if you listen to those commercials, but I love that woman's voice for Connors and Sullivan. Every time I hear her voice, it's so, so, such a pretty voice. Anyway, um, and they're a great law firm. Uh, you should use them for all your estate planning needs. Uh, we're here on Eye on Real Estate. We're only one hour today, so it's our last segment. Time flies when you're having fun, and then you can listen to... I know, Jerry. It's so quick. Yeah, we only have a couple minutes left. But uh, we do have a caller that's been waiting patiently, and thank you for your patience. Anita calling from New York City. Anita, you're on Anita. the air. What's your... Oh, hello. Anita, that's what I um, yeah, I recently <clears throat> closed or sold a house, and um, I'm just wondering if there's any rule about who accompanies the buyer on the final walkthrough. Well, certainly uh, your agent, who's representing... The seller should, uh, who controls access to the house, should be at the walkthrough. And then, if the buyer has their own broker, their broker is oftentimes also at the walkthrough, also. But at least one of the uh, agents should be there, and I think your agent should be there because they should be present. Well, my at, at agent wasn't, so that's yeah. So I was just wondering. Why but did the that rule happen? was, but do you know why why they didn't attend? No. Hmm. No. And they found something wrong. And I had just been there the day before, so Hmm. I was kind of concerned. I don't know if I should make an issue of it, but it's probably too late anyway. Well, what did they find wrong at the walkthrough? Oh, they said that there were sparks coming out of the well casing and um, the water shut off totally. Oh, dear. And so how did you how did how did you rectify that? It seems like a kind of a serious issue. Well, they held back five thousand okay. dollars and then they were going to have a plumber come and look at it uh-huh. and deduct and it, whatever the fee was to fix it from uh, that five thousand dollars. And that's oftentimes a common resolution that we, we deal with. And did you, did you do that yet? Did the plumber come and look at it? I don't know. Yeah, I'm well, going to have to call and find out. It, yeah, should call your lawyer and ask. But, uh, you know, I would ask the broker why they didn't attend the walkthrough. Um, that seems, um, you know, a little out of the ordinary for me. I'm not sure they couldn't have done much to avoid this if there's sparks coming out of the whatever you said, well casing. Uh, I don't think the broker could have fixed that. But certainly it's good to have your representative there. You know, a lot of times on the yeah. walkthrough we'll, we'll get, uh, but thank you, Anita, that's a good question. But I would, I would call your lawyer and find out what's going on with that uh, $5,000 holdback because it... Uh, you know, shouldn't be held any longer than needs to for the plumber to come. But, you know, a lot of times I'll get the call from the walkthrough ace about, oh, we're here at the walkthrough and the buyer's got a list of things that are wrong with the apartment. That's not the purpose of a walkthrough. And and there really are two types of walkthroughs that we should differentiate. One is when you're buying new construction. New construction, you're creating what's called a punch list. And that's different. You're buying a new product. You're entitled to things you know, essentially perfect. And if they're not perfect, you still close. But... The sponsor then has to fix these things post-closing in a reasonable period of time. Uh, and that's called a punch list, and that's very common. So, for example, you know, you may have bought on what we call plans and specs, meaning two years ago the thing wasn't even started, and you saw a model of the condo, and you saw a floor plan, and you read the offering plan and decided to buy it. Well, now it's ready for delivery. The apartment's built. You go to do the final inspection. And there are a couple of little things, you know, maybe one of the knobs in the kitchen is 
is hanging off and that might be a, a crack in uh, the countertop in the bathroom. These are things that you didn't agree to when you bought, you didn't buy an apartment with a cracked countertop. You bought a new apartment. So there you would do a punch list that would then be um, memorialized in the closing documents and the sponsor would have to fix it post-closing. But that's different than on a resale. On a resale, you're not buying a new apartment. You're buying a used apartment. So my first question when somebody calls me from a walkthrough saying the buyer's got a list and here's the list and you know, and they start with things like the window in the, in the bathroom is cracked. Well, my first question is, does the contract address this? Usually not. Usually the contract does not address windows. So my next question is, was it cracked when we signed the contract? If the answer is yes, it's been cracked for 10 years, then guess what? They bought an apartment with a cracked bathroom window. And if they didn't bargain to have the seller make that repair on the contract, then that's what they're getting. The seller doesn't have any obligation to repair all the windows and paint the apartment and sand the floors and all of that. Uh, probably the most common one we get is there's a scratch in the hardwood floor. We get this all the time. And you know, my better brokers who've done this for a long time handle that stuff and, and calm everybody down. It, it, scratches in hardwood floors are, are not uncommon. It's hard to walk on a, a hardwood floor over time without, you know, making a little scratch. We're not talking about these deep grooves and canals of, gouges we're talking about just light scratches on the surface it's next to impossible for them not to occur it's uh and frankly that's what we call ordinary wear and tear so even if that scratch wasn't there when you looked at the apartment chances are there were other scratches in the hardwood floor and this scratch was caused during the two months time when the seller was still living in the apartment uh, through ordinary wear and tear and that's exempt on the contract and they aren't required to fix it and I think, you know, also when people start to come up with these wild estimates on what it will cost to fix the, the scratch in the hardwood floor, they want $5,000. I mean, you know, $5,000, you can resurface all the hardwood floors in a, a 2,000 square foot apartment. So that's a little bit ridiculous. So I, th I think people have to be reasonable about it. The main things you're looking for on a resale when you do a walkthrough is make sure all the appliances are working. You know, you try to run a cycle in the dishwasher, make sure it turns on, make sure the washer dryer are working. Uh, the, the stove, all, all of the appliances need to be working order. And usually we check for the systems, uh, you know, heating, plumbing, electrical, air conditioning as best we can. Some people bring a little device and, and they test all of the outlets to make sure the outlets are, are active. They, you certainly want to check to make sure that the plumbing is working, that water is coming out, both hot and cold water, and it's not actively leaking it, that there's reasonable pressure. I mean, if it's just trickling out, of the shower and you've got it on full blast or it won't get to hot and you've left it on for five minutes, then there's a problem that needs to be addressed. Heating and air conditioning are always an issue because depending on when you close, it's pretty rare that both systems will be working at the same time, just based on climate. You know, if you're closing in the middle of August in New York city, uh, chances are the boiler in the building is not going to be on. So you're not going to be able to test that the heating is working. Um, and so therefore, you know, you just go in and on good faith, you test the air conditioner and likewise in February, you know, when the temperature is 20 degrees below zero outside New York, you're not going to be able to test the air conditioning system, uh, because air conditioning systems don't work when the ambient temperature goes be uh, below a certain point because they don't need to. So, you know, my general rule of thumb on a, on a walkthrough is everybody be reasonable. We're not, you know, we're not going through here to try to find a list of a hundred things to argue about at the closing. We've got a lot to do at the closing, a lot to talk about. 
You're basically making sure the apartment's empty and the systems are in working order. And now let's go do the closing and buy it. That's that's my recommendation. What do you have anything to add to the walkthrough controversy, Ace? Yeah, Jerry, I think you covered most of it. It's really, you know, um, the final walkthrough, it's not a, um, a time where you want to negotiate a ton of things, right? It's really just to make sure that you go through a checklist and that what you're buying is exactly what you saw in the prior to the contract. So yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think it's important to bring a checklist to the walkthrough, Jerry, so that you know what you know what you're checking and yes. what's working and then you give that checklist back to the you know the real estate agent or whoever's doing yeah. the walkthrough and make sure that if there's anything that's not finished um make sure that it's finished you know in a timely manner so and a good agent is going to yeah, you know know what to yeah. check also they're going to have experience in it so exactly they're going to be able yep. to help you you know if you've never if you've never done a, a final inspection of of new construction you know there's a lot to check things that you don't even think about there but, is but a good agent is is going to know um, what to do on that. So, uh, Ace, what about, uh, what's going on with long-term interest rates this week? Was there any movement? Yeah, <laughs> that seems to be the topic, um, at, at every, uh, I guess, uh, I guess, um, you know, gathering now, you know, where do we see rates, right? So a lot of the, uh, first home time buyers or, you know, they're concerned with, you know, will rates increase in 2019? And they think, um, it definitely will. It's just a matter of when, Right. So I think mm -hmm. we all saw that rates increased uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, in, in the last Federal Reserve meeting, um, they announced that they um, raised rates. I think we're going to see about three more rate hikes in 2019. Um, but again, you know, unemployment, it's at an all time low. Inflation is nearing uh, the 2% target uh, rate. So things are moving along. And, you know, the Federal Reserve, they've, they've pretty much made it clear that they will increase rates. Um, it's just a matter of time because, you know, we need to still understand that, you know, the real estate market is going through a, a um, an environment that they've never really gone through before in terms of just um, price correction and things of that nature. So, you know, we just have to do it timely. And I think it allows folks to get ready for the rate hikes. Um, so, you know, doing it in a timely manner um, will help uh, potential for some time buyers as well. So. Well, listen, we warned everybody for a long time that we were in yeah, historical Yeah, for a very lows. long time, right? <laughs> go, go and get your lock in. And I listened. I locked in at three and a half, 30-year fixed. Thank you very much. I love that rate. Um, and that's yeah. probably not going to happen again in my lifetime. But it, look, it's still uh, relatively cheap money historically. I mean, we're talking about, you know, still below 5% for a 30-year fixed, right? Definitely. I'm right right now, for a 30-year fix, you can get 4.875. So we're nearing that 5% mark. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, look, we've been talking about rates increasing how long now, Jerry, on the radio, right? For yeah, years. Exactly. Um, exactly. And, and You know, it's, uh, um, it's long overdue, but, you know, the good happen. news is yeah. still very low. Still very low, I, Jerry, you know, comparable um, exactly. to what we, you know, what we were seeing in the years. You know, when past, they started, so. when we, when we uh, you know, went through the financial crisis and, they started re. Uh, it was a, there was certainly a credit crisis also, and they started revamping underwriting regulation. One of the things that I said at that time is it was so painful then to underwrite a loan because we'd been used to the process being much easier and, and more streamlined. One of the things I said at the time was we're going to create really really good paper, meaning very low default rates, and we're going to have you know historical you know, really high quality mortgage paper that's going to be resaleable. Well, well, guess what? That's exactly 
what has happened. Uh, CoreLogic reported recently that we are at a 12-year low in mortgage delinquencies. That brings us back to 2006. Looking backwards, we are at the lowest point of mortgage delinquencies since then. When, in 2006 is when delinquencies started to go up. So that's good news. Uh, the bankers, don't get mad at your banker when you're doing a loan and, and they ask you for a million pieces of paper. They're trying to underwrite it make sure that you're qualified. Um, and we need that for the economy. By the way, Bill is on the line. Um, Bill apparently is going to help us with uh, why they call a brownstone a brownstone. Uh, Bill, we only have a, a minute before the break, but tell everybody why is a brownstone a brownstone? Uh, Jerry, it's called a brownstone because it, it's a brownstone. I just spoke with my son who uh, who's in the business. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> it's uh, quarried from uh, brownstone quarries. Oh. So that the brownstone is uh, just what it says. Now, if they're doing repair work, they might use a limestone and then dye it to the color to get oh, okay. it that's the same color. I was thinking about. Go, yeah. So, in answer to your opening question, that, I think that's the answer for you. See, we have the smartest listeners. Thank you, Bill. That was very nice of you to call in and tell us that. Um, I don't know why there's so many in New York. I don't know if other big cities have a lot of brownstones also, but are we close to a, a brownstone quarry maybe, or is it? Was it just a, a, a cheaper form of building material? Do you know? Do you know why we have so many? That I don't know. Yeah. That I don't know. Well, next week you can ask. But Jerry, your son and... quick, quickly, yes, uh, I don't know if you went to Catholic school like I did. Uh, I did for a little while, and they asked the nuns... me uh, not to return. But anyway, go ahead. Uh, where the nuns told you that you couldn't love a, an immaterial object. And I think you'll agree with me that you can, because I heard you mention the way you love your home. The same way I love mine that was built oh. 12 years ago. None of <laughs> yeah, were wrong in that. You can love your home. I don't care what they said. <laughs> well, I, I used to try to correct the nuns all the time, and that's why they asked me not to return. I was at uh, Bishop McGinn in upstate New York for a little while. <laughs> but thanks, Bill. That's a good point. You're not supposed to love immaterial objects, and I used to then say to them, well, why are there all these statues and everything like that? Anyway, I used to get um, hit on the knuckles a lot. Um, but uh, that's interesting. Uh, so brownstone ace, they call it brownstone because it's brown and it's stone. And it comes from a brownstone quarry. Uh, and yeah. my thing about the limestone was, and dyeing it was not true. It's only if they're doing a repair on it. So next week we'll tune in next week and we'll find out why there's so many in New York. Uh, they are an attractive, it is an attractive building here. It's very stately when you're near a brownstone. I, I, I happen to love brownstones. I'm sorry, yeah. there's so much. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just like the structure. I feel like it's built really well as well. You know, It doesn't look like it's going anywhere, that's for sure. Well, you know, this has been like a fun hour. It, it went very quickly, and uh, we uh, are only an hour this week. But next week, uh, hopefully, will be two hours, and Dottie will be back. Uh, and this is Iron yeah. Real Estate, and we've been talking about real estate and everything that has to do with real estate. So have a good real estate week. Go buy an apartment tomorrow. It's a It'll be a nice day, so go out and buy yourself an apartment. We'll talk to you next week. Eye on Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A. 
Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.